Welcome to the Whitefields Community Church Podcast. For more information about our church, including location and service times, visit us online at whitefieldschurch.com. If you are blessed by this message, please consider sharing it with others and leaving a rating or review on your favorite podcast app. Would you please open with me in your Bibles to the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles? And that's where we're going to be studying this morning, Acts chapter 19. If you turn there in your Bibles, and your Bible apps, that's where we'll be studying today. We're beginning a new series this Sunday. It's just a three-week series that we're doing here at the beginning of the new year. And we're going to get back into our verse-by-verse, chapter-by-chapter study of 1 Corinthians after this. But for these three weeks, we're going to be looking at specifically the church in Ephesus and what the Bible tells us about the Ephesian church and how that speaks to us about aligning ourselves with God's mission for our lives individually, and for us as a church collectively. So let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word, and we ask that as we study it, Lord, give us understanding, apply these things to our lives. Lord, help us to take the step of faith by responding to your word appropriately. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, it was March 5th, 2020. It was a Thursday, and I was on my way to the airport to fly to Ukraine, where I was going to be speaking. Me and Pastor Mike were both going to be speaking at a leadership conference for pastors and leaders uh, there in Ukraine. But before I went to the airport, I had to make one kind of important stop on the way. I had to stop here at this building to sign the papers for this to become our church's new home. You see, we had been searching for a new home for our church for a long time at that point because the place we were meeting in before, the St. Vrain Memorial Building in downtown Longmont, we had run out of room for kids, and even with our office space, we were just very limited on how much outreach and ministry we could do. It was a great place to start a church, but we had reached a point where it was no longer a great place to continue as a church. So we've been looking for a place, and this building became available, and we prayed about it, and we prayed a lot. And the reason we prayed a lot was because we weren't quite sure that we could afford it. You see, we, we believed that God had opened this door for us, and yet there was a lot of trepidation because we weren't sure that we could actually afford to move in here. But we believed that God was calling us to step out in faith and take that step of faith, even though maybe we weren't quite ready financially for that. And I remember feeling uh, when I signed those papers, man, I was like writing the checks, by the way, for the chairs. I was writing the checks for the sound system and the lighting system and all the equipment that goes in here as well. And the feeling was, oh, no, like, well, are you are you sure this is like a good idea? Like, are we biting off more than we can chew? Is this like a huge mistake, right? Like we're taking a step of faith just in falling off a cliff or something, right? But we had this conviction that we needed to take a step of faith, that God hadn't called us to play it safe. Playing it safe wasn't what God had called us to do. There's too much urgency to the gospel for us to be taking it, playing it safe. So I signed those papers, I got in my car, and I drove straight to the airport, and I boarded my flight to Ukraine. Well, you know, we had heard about the coronavirus at that time. If you remember, it was mostly like in China and Italy, a little bit in Germany, and a few cases here in the United States. But at that time, there were zero cases in the whole country of Ukraine. So we figured, you know, going to Ukraine wasn't that bad of an idea. Well, a few days into the trip, a few days, you know, I was teaching at this conference in Ukraine, and while I'm teaching, my phone just starts blowing up with texts and emails and calls because they were now calling this thing with COVID, they were calling it a pandemic, things were shutting down, and here's what's crazy. The St. Vrain Memorial Building 
emailed us while we were at this conference and told us that our church was no longer going to be able to meet in their facility anymore uh, for the foreseeable future. And by the way, even to this day, they still do not rent out that facility to outside parties. And so one week after signing the papers for this facility, we even lost the ability to meet in our other facility. In other words, if, that, if we hadn't taken this step of faith to come here, then we wouldn't have had a place to meet at all. We would have been out on the street. And then, if you remember what happened, every day new restrictions were being announced, and including countries were shutting down their airspace, including Ukraine, where we were at at the time. And Mike and I were able to fly out from Kiev on Monday, uh, March 15th, which was the last day that flights were allowed to leave Ukraine before they shut down Ukrainian airspace. So a bunch of flights were canceled. We got rerouted. He went through Dallas. I went through Newark. It was kind of somewhat of a miracle, but we were able to make it home. But when we got home, here's what happened. We had just signed the papers on this big new facility that we couldn't quite afford. And then we had this building, and we weren't allowed to have anybody in it, right? It was shut down. Everything was locked down. So we had these big plans that we were going to open our church, right, have a grand opening March 29th. That was going to be our first Sunday in the new building. We were going to, you know, do press release, invite the whole city to come out, make a big deal about it. And then, you know, we come here, and we're not able to do any of it. The grand opening never really happened. Uh, our goal in moving here was to be able to do more ministry, to reach more people. But now we weren't allowed to have any more than 10 people in the building at one time. Now, our one saving grace was that in this building, there was already a video system set up. It wasn't set up to broadcast online, but it was set up to record. So our media team quickly scrambled to figure out how do we use this equipment so we can begin broadcasting services online. But that still begged the question, even if we can show videos online, how are we going to pay the bills on this facility if nobody can come to church? Well, then the most amazing thing began to happen. We began to have people showing up at the church, just dropping off checks. People we had never met before, we started receiving checks in the mail for thousands of dollars from people we had never even met. You know? And then members of our church began giving online, and God provided for all that we needed. And then we started reaching more people through our online broadcasts than we had ever reached before. Our, our online outreach before consisted of basically like somebody's iPhone on a stand in the front row. It was not great, okay? And then so, so we immediately started broadcasting. We started reaching more people than ever before. I started hosting a daily hour of prayer, which I did for nine months. It was completely exhausting, but it was so worth it. And in June, after three months of no in-person services, we were finally able to welcome people in for the first time. But, you know, we had social distancing. Half the chairs were, were removed from the room. But people started coming. And as restrictions eased, then we were able to welcome more and more people in. And truly, through all of you, not only did God provide for all of our needs, but here's what's most incredible. We actually have been able to do more outreach, reach more people than ever before. Over the past year and a half, our church has more than doubled in size. We've come to the point where uh, we're outgrowing the space, and we're going to start a renovation project, which is going to begin hopefully in February. That's when the construction is scheduled to begin. We've had more people getting baptized, more people growing in their faith, attending classes, attending Bible studies. We're reaching more people online than we've ever reached before. Our radio ministry has more than doubled. We started more outreaches to our local community than we had before. And we're doing more to support missions and missionaries around the world than we've ever done before. 
So as we look back on this, we can see that truly God was leading us. Truly God is doing something here. He's at work. But it required us to take a step of faith, didn't it? And that step of faith that we took back then with so much trepidation, right, with so much concern and yet conviction that we should do it during what seemed like really the worst possible time to move a church into a new building, by God's grace, he's doing great things here at Whitefields Community Church. And we give him all the glory for that. You know, we've been able, again, to reach more people and do more ministry than ever before, but it required a step of faith. And it required us to put ourselves in a place of dependence on God to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. And so here's the question, though, as we move into this next season. So that's in the past, and it's glorious and it's good. But the question for us today is this. What is the next step of faith? What are the next steps of faith for us to take as a church body? But that also applies to you as an individual. What are the steps of faith that God is calling you to take as an individual in this year, in 2020? I'll tell you this, as we begin this new year, we are, we are taking three Sundays to look at God's vision for us as a church and as individuals. And the way we're going to do it is we're going to look at the passages in the Bible which talk about God's work in the city of Ephesus, back in ancient Ephesus, and we're going to see what they tell us about God's vision for us as a church and for us as individuals in this series we're doing called Vision 2020. So the first message in this series comes from Acts chapter 19, and the title of this message is A Community Transformed by the Gospel. A Community Transformed by the Gospel. And here's what we're going to see in our passage. Here's our summary sentence. It's our takeaway truth. I'd encourage you to write it down. Take this thought with you as you leave here today. So write it in your notes, your note cards, even in the chairs in front of you, wherever you like to take notes. But here's what it is today. Like in Ephesus, where steps of faith and the receiving of God's word led to transformation, we seek to be aligned with the heart and mission of Jesus. So take note of that, write it down, and we're going to take that sentence, we're going to break it down into three parts and use it as our outline for studying this passage today. So the first part of this, like in Ephesus, it says in Acts chapter 19, verse 1, if you look up to the top of the chapter, here's what it says. It happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. The book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles, it tells the story of the early Christian church, starting from the time of Jesus' ascension into heaven all the way up until the point where the gospel reached the city of Rome. It tells us about how the early Christians lived out and fulfilled what Jesus had commissioned them to do, which was take the gospel to the ends of the earth. And here in chapter 19, we're reading about Paul the Apostle on his third missionary journey. For years up until this point, Paul the Apostle has been traveling around the Roman Empire from city to city, telling people about Jesus and establishing churches. But there was one city that Paul had always wanted to go to, but he had never been able to get there. He had tried to go there on one occasion, but unsuccessfully. That was the city of Ephesus. Now, on Paul's second missionary journey, which we read about starting in Acts chapter 16, a couple chapters before this, on his second missionary journey, Paul had actually wanted to go to Ephesus. But look at what it says there in Acts chapter 16, verse 6. It says, They went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. 
Now, when it says that they wanted to speak the word in Asia, understand that that's not speaking of like East Asia, right? Like China, Japan, Vietnam area. When it talks about Asia, it's talking about the Roman province of Asia, which is actually located in Western Turkey. We sometimes refer to Turkey as Asia Minor. Well, this region or, or province of Turkey or modern day Turkey was called Asia, this Western part. And uh, it was a Roman province and Ephesus was the capital city of the province. But did you notice what it said there? It was pretty interesting. It said that even though Paul and his missionary team wanted to go to Ephesus and to the region of Asia, they were forbidden from speaking the word in the province of Asia. And who forbade them from speaking the word in the province of Asia? The Holy Spirit. That's a little bit surprising, right? Like you might expect the Holy Spirit to forbid you from robbing a gas station or forbid you from cheating on your taxes. But these guys didn't want to do that. They want to preach the gospel and plant churches. And the Holy Spirit says, no. That's strange, right? And then to make it even worse, look at what it says in the next verse. It says that then they tried to go to the region of Bithynia and another area there. But here's the deal. It says, again, the Holy Spirit did not allow them to go. In fact, it says the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So the region of Bithynia is just to the north of Ephesus. And again, the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go. That's pretty weird, right? Like, why would God not allow people to go somewhere to preach the gospel and plant churches? But as you keep reading there in Acts chapter 16, it suddenly becomes clear why it was that God prevented them or hindered them or forbade them from going to the area of Ephesus. The reason is because God wanted them to go somewhere else. Instead, he wanted them to go to Europe. God then spoke to Paul in a dream and told him to go to Macedonia, which is in northern Greece or southern Balkan Peninsula in Europe. Going to Europe wasn't even on Paul's radar, right? Like he wasn't even thinking of it. He hadn't even, hadn't even crossed his mind to go to Europe. But now, suddenly, he understands now he understands why God didn't allow him to go to Ephesus when he wanted to. It was because God wanted him to go in a completely different direction. It wasn't that God didn't want Paul to ever go to Ephesus. It's that God didn't want Paul to go to Ephesus at that particular time. And so, following God's leading, Paul went to Macedonia instead. He took the gospel to Europe, and the rest is history. And now here we are in chapter 19, years later. Now Paul is on his third missionary journey, and finally the door is open. There's an opportunity for Paul to go to Ephesus, and he goes. Now there's an important lesson in there for us, and that's this. God's timing is just as important as God's will. And sometimes waiting on God's timing is an act of faith. It's a step of faith in some cases to wait on God's timing. You see, it took a step of faith for Paul to change his plans and go to Europe when he had originally planned to go to Ephesus. And now it takes another step of faith for him to go to Ephesus when God has now opened the door for him to go there. And friends, let me tell you this. Walking by faith is the most exciting, most fulfilling life you can possibly live. I like this definition of faith. Faith means trusting God enough to do what he says. That's what faith is, trusting God enough to do what he says. And so to walk by faith is to, is to walk in a dynamic relationship with God where you're being led in your day-to-day -day moments of your life. You're letting him guide your decisions and lead your actions. In the letter to the Hebrews, the writer tells us this. Without faith, 
it is impossible to please God. Faith is the basis of relationship with God. And you know what faith is like? It's like a muscle. In order for it to grow, you have to exercise it. If you don't use it, if you don't put it to the test, it will atrophy. So in order to grow, it needs to be put to the test. It needs to be exercised. It needs to be used. Now, in order for you to grow, in other words, it is absolutely vital that you take steps of faith. And what, that, what does that look like, taking steps of faith? Well, it's as simple as this. God speaks and you respond. God speaks and you respond. So God says in his word or by his spirit, he says, do this. Forgive that person. Be generous over here. Get involved in this area. Step out in faith and do this thing. And you say, oh, Oh, but, but I don't want to do that, right? Like, that's a little bit scary. Or, or maybe you say, that's outside of what I'm comfortable with. That's outside of my comfort zone. But friends, listen, when you follow God outside of your comfort zone, that's where growth really takes place. That's where growth really happens. And this is true for us both as individuals and it's true for us as a church. The only way forward is by taking steps of faith. The only way into growth and the way moving forward is by taking steps of faith. Trusting God enough to take his hand and go where he's leading. And I'll tell you this, steps of faith, by nature, they're always scary. They're always a little bit trepidatious because it's, it's stepping out into an unknown situation, somewhere maybe where you've never gone before. But in Ephesus, as we're going to see, these steps of faith and obedience to God's leading, they resulted in a community transformed by the gospel. A community transformed by the gospel. That is what we as a church desire to be, right? We desire to be a community transformed by the gospel, but it's also what we desire to see. In our surrounding community, here in our counties, in our city, we want to see a community transformed by the gospel. And in order for that to happen, it, re it will require steps of faith. Trusting God enough to do what he says in his word and by his spirit as he guides us day by day. So that brings us to the next part of our sentence. Like in Ephesus, where steps of faith and the receiving of God's word led to transformation. So steps of faith, which we talked about just now, and the receiving of God's word, it led to transformation. Look what it says in Acts chapter 19, verse 8. It says that after Paul arrived in Ephesus, it says he entered the synagogue, and for three months he spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. Now remember, for the early Christians, Christianity was not a new religion. Christianity was the fulfillment of all of God's promises that he had given through the ages, through the prophets, in the Hebrew scriptures. So when, when somebody became a Christian, they didn't view it as, uh, especially if they were a Jew and they became a Christian, they didn't think as, I've changed my religion. No, no, no. They thought, this is the fulfillment of everything that I've always believed in. And so when Paul went to a new city, he would reach out first to the Jewish community. He would tell them that their long-awaited Messiah had finally come, and his name was Jesus, and here's what he had done, and here's, here's how he had died, here's how he had resurrected. But look at what it says in verse 9. But when some became stubborn and continued in unbelief, speaking evil of the way before the congregation, he withdrew from them, 
and took his disciples with them, reasoning daily in the hall of Tyrannus. So some of these Jewish people there in the synagogue had become Christians and followers, believers in Jesus as their Messiah, and some didn't. And some began speaking out against him, slandering him there in the synagogue. And so Paul said, okay, those who want to follow Jesus, come with me. And he got this place called the Hall of Tyrannus. We'll talk about this more in a second. But he says this, He taught daily in the Hall of Tyrannus, and this continued for two years, so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. So Paul leaves the synagogue. He goes to the Hall of Tyrannus. What is the Hall of Tyrannus? The Hall of Tyrannus was a lecture hall, possibly a school, that Paul either rented or was gifted to him or given to him to use during the day. And every day in this lecture hall, Paul would teach about Jesus from the scriptures for believers, unbelievers, anyone who was willing to come and listen. And Paul did this every day for two years until, it says, all the province of Asia had heard the word of the Lord. There's an ancient document that talks about this, and it tells us something that the Bible doesn't. And it could be true, it could not be, but this is the ancient tradition, that Paul would teach in this hall of Tyrannus, this classroom-style setting. And he would teach there every day from 11 a.m. until 4 p.m. So it was open from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m., which in that culture was the time of siesta. So that was the time when everybody would take a break from work in the middle of the day. Businesses would shut down. People were off work in the middle of the day for rest and for break. And Paul, during this time, would open up this hall of Tyrannus and welcome people in. And he would teach Bible studies. He would reason with people from the scriptures about Jesus for anyone who would gather and learn and discuss. It was a place of equipping for believers. And it was a place of engaging those who were not yet believers who were interested in hearing about Jesus. So Paul's ministry there in Ephesus was primarily a ministry of teaching the word of God. This is really interesting. Paul's ministry in Ephesus was primarily a ministry of teaching the Word of God consistently and opening the Bible, explaining the Scriptures, showing people how it applied to their lives, answering their questions, responding to their objections. And as a result of this teaching ministry, all the residents of Asia heard the Word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. Now, how is that possible? Okay, listen, there were a lot of people who lived in the province of Asia. It was a large province. So how is it possible that all the people who lived in this province heard the word of the Lord just as a result of Paul preaching and teaching in the lecture hall called the Hall of Tyrannus there in Ephesus? Especially considering this, Paul never left Ephesus. Of course, how would he have time? He's teaching every day in the Hall of Tyrannus. So it wasn't that Paul was traveling around to all the cities and villages in the surrounding area to teach all those people. No, no, he was teaching in this Hall of Tyrannus. And somehow, as a result, all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord. How, how did that happen? Well, the answer is quite simple, but also pretty incredible. 
What happened is, as people from the surrounding region, they would come to Ephesus for business, or they'd come to Ephesus for school. They would hear Paul teach in this lecture hall, or maybe they would encounter other people who had been learning from Paul in the hall of Tyrannus. And then as they came, as they listened, as they sat in, they were growing and being transformed as they heard the word of God being taught, as they received it by faith. And then as they returned to their cities and their villages, they took what they had learned with them and shared it with other people. It was like, hey, I've been learning the most incredible things about Jesus in this hall in in Ephesus. Uh, I've been learning the most incredible things about the Bible. Let me share some of these things with you. And those people who had listened to Paul teach in the school of Tyrannus or in the hall of Tyrannus, they began teaching others. And as a result, not Paul, but these people who had grown under his ministry in Ephesus, they began starting churches and Bible study groups in their own towns and villages, and the word of the Lord spread through Asia in that way. You see, for example, in your Bible, there's a book called Paul's Letter to the Colossians. Paul's Letter to the Colossians. But if you'll notice, if you read in the book of Acts about Paul's three missionary journeys, you'll notice Paul never went to a place called Colossae. Right? Colossae was a smaller city outside of Ephesus. Paul never went there. So how does, how is there a church in Colossae? Well, Paul actually tells us how the church got there in Colossae. There in that letter, he says there was a man named Epaphras who was originally from Colossae, but he had come to Ephesus. And in Ephesus, he had come to know the Lord Jesus. And he had been trained there in the hall of Tyrannus under the teaching of the word. And then eventually he went back to his hometown in Colossae. He started a fellowship, started spreading the word. And then it also tells us that that church in Colossae, they started two more churches in surrounding towns near them, in the cities of Laodicea and Hierapolis. You see, what happened is, as these people were becoming Christians in Ephesus, the word of God was being spread as these people would then carry the message to their hometowns and start churches. In the book of Revelation, here's what's really incredible. In chapters 2 and 3 of the book of Revelation, we read about seven letters written to seven churches. All of these churches are in the region of Asia, right, the area surrounding Ephesus, but Paul the apostle never went to these cities himself. These churches were all started by people who had been trained as a result of the ministry of Paul in Ephesus, right? So churches in the city of Smyrna, in this Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, these were all cities in that general region, in that region of Asia near Ephesus. But these churches weren't started by Paul, yet they were started as a direct result of Paul's ministry of teaching the word regularly and consistently in Ephesus in the hall of Tyrannus. And here's what's also pretty cool. In Acts chapter 20, so next chapter, Paul, we read there how he says goodbye to the people in Ephesus. When he finally leaves, he gathers up the leaders and he gives kind of a farewell speech. And as part of that farewell speech, he tells them this. He says, look guys, I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. That's what he did there in the, in the hall of Tyrannus, through his teaching ministry. He taught them and declared to them the whole counsel of God's word. Let me just say this. This hall of Tyrannus, 
What a beautiful picture. That's what we want our church to be here at Whitefields. We want it to be the Hall of Tyrannus here in Longmont, right? The place where the whole counsel of God's word is taught faithfully and consistently. A place where people can be equipped and instructed in the word of God so then they're prepared to go out and spread God's love and God's truth to their neighbors in your neighborhoods and workplaces and communities and to the ends of the earth. As we do this, we will both be a community transformed by the gospel, and by God's grace, we will see our community transformed by the gospel because we believe the word of God is living and active. It cuts right to the core of your heart and your mind, and it has the power to transform you as you respond in faith. And I want to show you this. I want to show you just how transformed this community was there in Ephesus by the gospel as the result of this consistent, faithful ministry of teaching the word of God in the hall of Tyrannus. Look down to verse 23 there in chapter 19. It says, About that time there arose no little disturbance concerning the way. Now remember, before Christianity was called Christianity, it was called the way. And here's, here was the disturbance that arose in Ephesus. A man named Demetrius, a silversmith who made silver shrines of Artemis, that's a Greek god, uh, brought no little business to the craftsmen. And these craftsmen he gathered together with the workmen in similar trades. And he said, men, you know that from this business we have our wealth. And you see and hear that not only in Ephesus, but in almost all of Asia, Paul has persuaded and turned away a great many people, saying that gods made with hands are not gods. And there is a danger, not only that this trade of ours may come into disrepute, but also that the temple of the great goddess Artemis may be counted as nothing, and that she may even be deposed from her magnificence, she whom all Asia and the world worship. So there's this guy Demetrius. He, he makes idols, pagan idols for people to worship. That's how he makes his living. And he's worried. He's worried because he's seeing so many people in Ephesus and in the surrounding province of Asia turning to Jesus, and so much so that his idol-making business is starting to dry up. So he gets his other idol-maker friends together, and he says, guys, we've got a crisis on our hands. If things keep going the way they're going, Pretty soon we're going to be out of a job because everybody in this region is starting to worship Jesus and turn from idols. And here's what I want you to see. This regular, consistent teaching of the Word of God, the whole counsel of God's Word, it transformed that community in Ephesus. It was affecting the way that people spent their money, the way that people spent their time, the things that they worshipped. It was turning people from idols to the living God. And again, friends, this is what we want our church to be, and it's what we desire to see in our surrounding community. We desire to be a community transformed by the gospel, and we desire to see our community at large here along the front range transformed by the gospel through the teaching of the word of God. You know, our mission statement here at Whitefields, we, you all received when you came in today a bookmark that has a few things written on it. And this is also available on our website for those of you watching online. But here's the deal. Here's our mission statement and vision statement as a church. Our mission statement is, our vision statement is this. We want to build and foster a loving, 
passionate, engaged, and healthy Christian community to influence and bless Longmont and beyond. And the way we seek to do that is by making disciples of Jesus Christ through the teaching of the Word of God, engaging in the mission of God, and raising up leaders. Now, a few years ago, Barna Research Group did a large study, and their study was to say, okay, what are the practices that lead to the most amount of spiritual growth and transformation? So if you want to grow, if you want to be changed and transformed as a person and as a Christian, what are the practices that produce the most amount of growth and transformation? And here's what they found. The number one thing you can do to grow as a believer is to read the Bible. Read it for yourself at home. Read the Bible. Number two is consistent church attendance. This is what their study found, that consistent church attendance led to growth and transformation in people's life. And the third and most important thing you can do is to join a small group at your church. And so here at the beginning of the year, I have a challenge for you. Here's my challenge for you this year. Rather than just saying, I hope I grow this year, and then just being like, well, we'll see if it happens. No, instead of just saying, let's see if it happens, here's my challenge to you. I'm going to challenge you to do three things. Here's what I challenge you to do and commit yourself to this year. Number one, I challenge you to read through the entire Bible this year. It's totally possible. If you read the Bible a little bit each day, you can actually read through it in a year. And you know what? If it takes you 14 months, if it takes you 18 months, that's okay. We just want to see you reading the Bible consistently so that you can grow. And so another thing you received this morning when you walked in was a Bible reading plan. This is a reading through the Bible in a year plan. You can take this, and whether you use this plan specifically, which I think is cool if a lot of us from the church are reading the same plan together, or you can find another plan. They're available online. They're available in your Bible apps. But here's the point. I want to challenge you to read through the Bible in a year. You can do it, and it will change your life. I guarantee it. The next thing I want to challenge you to do is to commit to coming to church regularly and hearing the Word of God taught and applied to your life. And the third thing I want to challenge you to do is to join a group, whether that's a community group, whether it's a men's or women's fellowship here at the church, whether it's a service team that you get involved with, but get involved with something at the church beyond just Sunday morning. So join a group and get involved. Listen, we want to be a community transformed by the gospel, and we want to see our community at large here on the front range changed and transformed by the gospel. That will happen as we walk in faith and as we consistently receive the word of God. But there's one last part to this, and that's the end of our sentence. Like in Ephesus, where steps of faith and the receiving of God's word led to transformation, we seek to be aligned with the heart and mission of Jesus. So we seek to be aligned with the heart and mission of Jesus. Let me ask you, why did Paul go to Ephesus in the first place? Why go through all this trouble, all this persecution, all this hardship, all this difficulty? Why not just stay home? Why not just do something else that would have been a lot more fun than getting beat up by people and, and slandered and have a hard time? Why? Why bother? The reason Paul went to Ephesus, the reason he taught every day for up to five hours in the hall of Tyrannus, was because Paul had aligned himself with the heart and the mission 
of Jesus. You know, to be a disciple isn't just about knowing a lot of things about the Bible or knowing a lot of things about Jesus. To be a disciple is to align yourself with Jesus' heart and Jesus' mission. The goal and the purpose, you know, as we talk about reading through the Bible in a year, attending church regularly, joining a group, what is, the, what is the point of that? It's not just to fill your head with more knowledge about the Bible so you can, like, win at Bible trivia. No, the point is that you would, through that, get to know God better. You would know his heart, that you would know his will, so you can grow in relationship with him. And as you grow in love and appreciation for God, your response will then be to align yourself with the heart and mission of Jesus. That's what drove Paul to go to Ephesus. That's what happened to those who sat under the teaching of the word in the hall of Tyrannus there in Ephesus. As they were being transformed by the gospel, they began to live and act differently as they aligned themselves with the heart and mission of Jesus. And that's how their community was transformed by the gospel. You know, on more than one occasion, we read that when Jesus caught sight of large crowds of people, he was moved with compassion. He was filled with compassion for those people. In Luke chapter 19, we read about how Jesus looked over the city of Jerusalem and he wept. He wept because he saw the people that they were like sheep without a shepherd. He wept over their fallen condition. So the heart of Jesus for people in your community is a heart of compassion, not a heart of frustration, a heart of compassion. And yet Jesus didn't only weep over the condition of Jerusalem. He went one giant step further than that. He laid down his life in order that they might be saved and redeemed. So to align yourself with Jesus' heart it means to care about the fate of the people in your community. It means being filled with compassion and love for people in your neighborhoods and in your workplaces, including people who do not think like you think or believe like you believe. You think about this. When Jesus wept over the city of Jerusalem, those people he was weeping over, those people he was filled with compassion and love for, they were the same people who just a few days later would shout, crucify him. And yet Jesus loved them. He had come to Jerusalem to lay down his life for them. It's really easy for us to weep over the lostness of our cities. But to align ourselves with Jesus' mission means not only weeping over the condition of our communities, but also reaching out with love and with truth. Being willing to go and sacrifice and serve. And so to this end, one last thing that we've given you this week is to focus our attention as a church in prayer as we begin this new year. We want to encourage you to do a few things. There's some directed prayer there. Pray for your community. Pray for our church and our outreaches. I'm going to challenge you to pray for one thing specifically. As you look around this room, I want you to see there are some empty chairs in here. There's some empty chairs in the overflow room. There's some empty chairs in the 11 o'clock service and the 8 o'clock service. I want you to specifically look at those chairs and pray for the people who will one day fill those seats. The people who aren't here yet, but God wants to see them here so they can get to know him, so they can grow, so they can be saved. So pray for the empty chair next to you in this room. And there's another thing. You'll notice there's some blank lines there. We want you to fill that in with some names of people you're going to commit to praying for. Maybe they're coworkers. Maybe they're family members. You're going to commit to praying for those people this year. So put this on your fridge. Put it in your Bible. And use this as a 
reminder to trigger you to be praying this year for how God's going to work in our communities because we want to align ourselves with his heart and his mission. Friends, the good news of the gospel is that when God looked at you, he saw your fallen condition, and he was filled with a heart of compassion for you. And that heart of compassion drove him to action. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. So let me encourage you today to put your trust in Jesus, to embrace him as your Savior, to give your life to him as your Lord. And let me encourage you to be a disciple, which means growing in relationship with him by taking steps of faith, receiving his word, and aligning yourself with his heart and his mission. Like in Ephesus, where steps of faith and the receiving of God's word led to transformation, we seek to be aligned with the heart and mission of Jesus. Would you please bow your heads with me and let's pray. You have been listening to a message from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. For more information and audio content, visit us at whitefieldschurch.com. Make sure to tap the subscribe button if you would like to have new messages delivered to your device every week when they are released. If you have been blessed by this message and would like to support our ministry, you can do so by leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or by giving a donation to our church on our website at whitefieldschurch.com. 